latest Broadway bulletin from Stage Whisper, and our first new episode since the big night of the Tony Awards. We are so excited to be bringing you some of the latest news from around the theaters, as well as a full recap of the 76th Annual Awards. So, without further ado, let's get into it. It really wasn't a big week of headlines coming around the theater world, but we do have a closing announcement. A Doll's House did close on the 10th of June. So, we say happy trails to the cast and company of A Doll's House. Also, this week in Broadway history, Uta Hagen was born in 1919. Yes, Uta Hagen. And if you don't know who that is, look them up. Some off-Broadway chatter. Melissa Etheridge, My Window on Broadway, will open off-Broadway at the main stem September 28th and will be a limited nine-week engagement. So that's really exciting. We're getting another yeah. show of Melissa Etheridge music and story fresh off the new world stage show that she had so happy to see that she is back at it and back in the theater hopefully we see maybe a melissa etheridge music grace the white way soon and speaking of the great white way the moment everyone's been waiting for there was a little event that happened on sunday a wee little event what was it uh i got drunk i know Mm -hmm. that Um, something we did on sunday uh, we took a lift. We did. Uh, oh, the Tony. The Tony oh, Awards. Of course. of course. How can we forget the Tony Awards? I. It was a wonderful night. So much fun. Yeah. Absolute blast. What a wonderful ceremony. I mean, yes, I miss some of the fun antics that would happen between the awards, the banter. But, of course, we missed a lot of that because of the writer's strike. And I was love, no script. And I love that everyone acknowledged it said why it was happening, and let the weird happen. Because exactly. there's something that we do in the theater, especially on our first couple days of tech, and that is to let it crash and burn. Let us see where the holes are so we know how to fix it. And so it was very beautiful to see that there was a great show put on, but we need a script. Well, but even more than that, the power of yes and. Everyone just yes and each other. And it was like... We're going to buy into whatever happens. So we had that beautiful dance number that opened up the main awards. Ariana DeBose was the perfect host. Right. She just went with it. And I genuinely, she was like, there's a note on my arm and I have no idea what it says. But whoever walks out, that's the next award. And it was like, I'm having fun. She's having fun. Let's just have fun. Well, and I think that it also just brought to the point what the writers bring. You know, we still had a good time. You recognize. It would have been better You recognize how important they were. Yes. Pay your writers. I mean, pay pay your writers. Pay everyone what they're worth. Absolutely. But let's dive more into the Tonys themselves. And before we really start to get down and, and maybe break down specific winners, I do want to say one thing about the Tony Awards overall. Because we're recording this on a Tuesday, not a Monday like we normally do. We are recording this on a Tuesday. And I have had time to gallivant around social media and the TikToks and see kind of everyone's reactions. And here's what I want to, like, I'm getting and what I want to say. There's a lot of people out there that either truthfully are falling in one or two camps. Either it was like, man, the Tonys were awful and I don't understand why we still have them. Or they were like, it was the best thing in the world and people who deserve to win won. Like, there's black and white on it. And the Tonys are getting a lot of hate or a lot of love. As they always seem to do. But this is what I want to say. Before we get up on a high horse or on a soapbox and sit there and kind of bring rain over a wonderful evening, which it was, your opinion, which you are entitled to, is not going to change the outcome. It's not going to change the fact that the Tonys are going to happen. And it's not going to change the fact of who has already won. And one person's negative voice is not going to also change how most people decide to go to the theater. And and that's why I encourage everyone to be loving, accepting, and not base your decision on Tony Awards, which I feel like the majority of theater goers do not do. And furthermore, go along with what most of the artists 
in the industry do, which is champion and cheer each other on. Because the thing that I love the most, we were at the Sun Like It Hot Tony party at Sardi's, which was exquisite and amazing and pinched me. I can't believe I just got to watch the Tonys at Sardi's. And Sun Like It Hot nominated for the most Tonys of any show, 13. When they were nominated, and you know, of course, they're, they popped up with their nomination. Everyone cheered. But even when they didn't win... There was cheering for whoever did. Every category, every winner, the entire restaurant cheered. And I'm like, this is the kind of support. And I'm sure it wasn't just at Sardi's with some like it hot. I'm sure every show's party was doing that. And that is the purpose of the Tonys. It is to lift up, amplify the great artistry that exists in the theater and celebrate it. The nominations are the big win. That's what's going to attract the audience. The trophy is icing on the cake. So I'm going to take a slightly different approach to that opinion. And I'm going to say, yes, it is important for us to be objective and observe what happens with the Tonys and try to better them, make sure they're equal. You know, because when it comes to art and every sort of creation it's always subjective it is always subjective and so i think part of the conversation we need to have is what is the point of having accolades like this if they're if we're going to put so much heavy weight on them because then they become about capitalism meaning they can be bought and i don't think that that's really what the spirit of the tonys is and so i think that keeping in mind that art is subjective that also means that the winners are subjective it's not set in stone and so if you are disagree with who has won go and see the other shows and compare them talk about it talk to everyone about why don't just get angry you need to actually just have the conversation because the only way that real change is going to happen is if it starts with an idea and an idea needs to be spoken and you share it Exactly. And you build on it and you create something beautiful. And so I think coming coming out of this, I think that, you know, I personally thoroughly enjoyed the Tonys year, this year. I saw things that were very diverse and things that I had never seen before. That also being said, we always have room to improve, but that's why we love the theater. Because the theater is a mirror to society and society is always changing. Because when you know better, you do better. We've encouraged our listeners and we encourage ourselves to continue to look deeper than just the title to figure out what it is about the show we like and that we maybe don't like. And that's what I encourage our listeners and audience members to do because any award does not mean you're the best, especially in an art or a humanity because like you said, it's subjective. But I want to emphasize the Tony Awards, it's not a race. And the winner doesn't leave, like, like the people who didn't leave with the trophy, their show is not going to automatically close. And they're and not going to lose their job. Good. Yeah. All it means is that a select number of people thought that out of five, nom- out of five people, they happened to be the best in their opinion. Well, guess what? There were over 1.7 million people that attended shows. So I bet if we pulled all 1.7 million people and went... Well, who do you think out of the five were the best? That might change. However, the thing I, like I said, I love the most is just how much the night, everyone celebrated how we were together, how the season was phenomenal. And I will say the one thing, if I can make any change about it, I would love to see more diversity. We had a lot of diverse work and performers and artists nominated who did not win and that did stick in my craw a little because i don't think it's enough just to nominate them it would be nice to start seeing them win because i thought there was a lot of artists of color who should have won that's my opinion and going along with that though there were huge moments in this year's tony awards that made me so proud to be a part of this industry particularly when jay harrison gee and alex newell won their particular acting Tonys and their speeches. 
about recognizing the trans community and saying you're seeing a look what you can do and all. I mean, I was like, this is, this is incredible. Look what our community not only is showcasing, but raising up. Hearing beautiful speeches, and I'll say beautiful like Michael Arden, who's basically sh showing that I put on a show that features hate speech, and I got that hate speech thrown at me. Yeah, well now I'm owning that word, and look at that. I'm a Tony Award winning, and what are they doing? I mean, that says a lot about overcoming adversity and really just making the most of it. And I feel like that was the thing about this season is overcoming adversity, coming out of the pandemic, telling these great stories and putting on these amazing shows. And I just had a ball with it. And even the writer's strike, overcoming the adversity of the writer's strike to put on a great show. Well, and what I was going to say is that... You know, it's great that we're encouraging everyone to go and see because at the end of the day, the audience is the true winner. And what I love to see is every person who won used their win to be able to use that podium to say something uplifting. Yes. And I think that that was absolutely beautiful. I think, you know, seeing, seeing how wonderfully overwhelmed and happy you saw you saw inner childs live their dreams like yes. you saw that moment jay harrison g sean hayes you saw alex them, newell bonnie milligan you saw an inner child achieve their dream and that is such a beautiful experience that we were able to observe and i think that that also goes into our storytelling and that's why the theater awards are different I also want to add that I loved how many of the winners recognized and lifted up their fellow nominees. It really felt like one of those, this isn't just for me, this is for everyone, you know? And it was that Mean Girls moment where it was like, a piece for you, a piece for you, you know? And I love, like I said, I love the fact that the actors and the artists are getting away from seeing it like a competition to do or die and more seeing it as boy isn't this fun oh my gosh look at the company i'm in and victoria clark who i mean i feel like we've known for the longest time i felt since i saw her at atlantic stages she was gonna win this got up and she was blown away and she's like i can't believe the company i'm in in this category and Victoria Clark, who is a legend in the theater, she's already won the Tony before. If I were in her, one of the nominees in her category, what an honor to, to be among the, the nominees. And she's like, no, I am honored to be among you. And I'm like, that's humbleness at its best. And that kind of energy, that kind of mindset is only going to lead to not competition in the negative way, but to creating brilliant art that we all work together so, I think at this point, we should talk about our favorite mo moment that happened at the Tonys. Our and, favorite moment? Yes. And my favorite moment at the Tony Awards this year was when the costume designer, whose name I can't remember, won for Best Costume Design of a Play for Leopoldstadt. Not only did she thank her crew and everyone else, but she also thanked the wig artist that helped to create the look of the show because hair artists don't have a category there yes. should be a hair and makeup category there's not it should be there because it takes a special skill it takes it takes just as much skill as someone who does lights does sound does costumes does acting it takes the same amount of skill and we have the same amount of design ability as any other category and so the fact that she thanked them publicly in her speech was just so beautiful to see her recognizing that and seeing that her looks wouldn't have been able to come across as well as they would have without the hair so thank you for that that made my inner child very happy i think mine i got a tie i got a three-way tie I would say it's a three-way tie between Sean Hayes' speech, which, you know, it's the first time an Oscar's ever met a Tony or something like that. You know, that was a really comedic speech on his feet. 
And then Bonnie Milligan's speech was so moving, and she's worked so hard for this. And she's a phenomenal human and performer, and I was just elated for her. I would love to meet her one day, but I'm just so happy for her. And then Alex Newell. My heart, I mean, I leapt up. I'm at the Sun Like a Hot Party, and I leapt up when they won. I was so over the moon because I was like, yes, in a world that right now can feel so dark for some people, our community stepped up and went, no, wait. We see you. We see you, and you matter, and, and we're, we're going to lift you up. We're going to raise you up. And we're going to show the entire world you have a place. Not just as a, a side character. You are a main character. You matter and make this world exist. And, and going along with that, J. Harrison G. And I was just like, this is everything for me. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I want to say is my heart is full. Kimberly Akimba won Best Musical. It took everything in me not to jump up and on the table and dance. I've been praising this show. I still think it's the best musical on Broadway right now. I've been saying that for over a year. But that doesn't mean that the other ones are bad. No. I mean, <laughs> the caliber is way up there. It's ridiculous. But it made my heart so happy. And to have Janine Tesori's work just lifted up and recognized. Oh, I just... Getting all weepy-eyed just thinking about it. I was so... So happy, and I hope so many more people get to take in that wonderful show and that wonderful story. It's such a beautiful story. But with that, there are so many good shows. Shocked, and Juliet, New York, New York, Parade, uh, Prima Fossey still playing, Sweeney Todd. Uh, Grey House. Grey House is just open. We've got Once Upon a One More Time playing. I mean, Broadway is back. Hearing people say that, I mean, last year it was like, yay, we're having a real Tony's and we're back. But it's really back. We're really back. And what I love is you see this movement in the artists where we're like, you know, what we were doing was fine before, but in a world where we were absent of being able to physically connect with people, we need to find a way to connect again. And this is a beautiful way. And the stories coming out are exciting and new and heartfelt and funny. And I'm excited for next year's season. I'm already just like, oh, we don't even have to wait till the fall. Boom, we already got Grey House. Well, what's going to come next? What are, what sort? We have got shows that are making their way out. So it's like, what's going to come next? What's going to fill them? I'm so... This is the time of year now, the furthest away we are from next year's Tony's that I sit there and I'm like, okay, well, but what? I'm so anxious. Oh. So I will say we'll do a live probably next week recapping in detail the party but the cliff notes version is we got very very drunk they should not have an open bar a full open bar with cute glasses for in my mind i made andrew's dreams come true for this tony's party because not only did we get to watch the tony's which is his favorite show we also saw it in his favorite place yep together and so it was just it was great and so we had Three floors of sardis to play around, a red carpet, and food trucks. Yeah, they brought food trucks in for after. And then we'll post pictures. We got pictures with three of the four Tonys that... Tony winners. Some yeah. like it hot. One, including Jay Harrison G and Casey Nicola. Casey Nicola was so nice and over the moon and so well deserved that win. I'm so happy for him. Um, and the food was amazing afterwards, and everyone was in great spirits. It was so much fun. But we will gush about that later. Needless to say, the Tony Awards this year, huge success. I loved it. Ariana DeBose just hosts every year. That energy and her, her moxie, I just love it. She's amazing. So, wrapping things up. We hinted during our live that we have some fun things coming regarding a UK stage whisper thing. We're gonna have to keep you on the ropes for just a little bit longer, but that's gonna be coming and unveiled soon. So all of our UK friends, stay tuned. We've got a great announcement coming. We also have some wonderful things coming regarding the Downtown Urban Arts Festival this week and some other great shows, including some night out at the theaters with Whisper in the Wings. We'll be announcing those later this week. Finally, 
if you haven't signed up as a patron, this is the best time ever. It's June. It's the lusty month of June. Wait, that's May. So, also, guys, the more you can help us get the word out so that we can get patrons and build up ours, the more we can invest in seeing more shows, maybe even getting more discount codes so that we can do more Stage Whisper Night at the theater. Hiring more staff, which we are in desperate need of. Right, and we just just remember at the end of the day, we're doing this because we want to build our community, and unfortunately, community building requires money. So if you're in a position or you know someone in a position, please head over to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. Sign up for a backstage pass. New fun things are coming to that very soon this summer. Or just drop some money in our tip jar. Everything is appreciated from the bottom of our heart. Thank you. Thank you to all of our current patrons. You can also send us a one-time donation via Venmo. Just find us at Stage Whisper Pod. Or check our link tree on our Instagram. There's a direct link to all of these. And stay tuned also for merch. Merch is coming. We hope you're excited. I know I'm excited. That's going to be great. But I think we've talked your ear off enough. Now, we have a very special... Whisper in the Wings to conclude this Broadway Bulletin with, we're heading all the way to the other side of the world. That's right, Southern Hemisphere side of the world. We're going to Australia to a fellow theater podcast. We're speaking with the host, Justin Clark, of Theater Thoughts Podcast on this Broadway Bulletin's Whisper in the Wings. So enjoy! Welcome back in, listeners, to a very special episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We are crossing borders. We are crossing oceans, time zones. We are flipping the whole globe upside down today as we venture to the glorious country of Australia, where we are welcoming the host of the Theater Thoughts podcast, Justin Clark, onto our show today. Justin, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for staying up late to, you know, have a chat with me. It's afternoon over here now. So thank you for taking a break from your day to chat with us. I was actually just like editing my podcast. So it's like, this is a good break for me. This is amazing that we are connecting. We have two very similar shows. We both cover the theater here at Stage Whisper with us. And then you with your show, Theater Thoughts Podcast. We are on opposite ends of the world. You are based in Sydney. Yes. Um, so we are in two large cities, two separate countries, and yet we have found a common thread in our love for the theater, which mm. is absolutely amazing. And I'm so excited and honored that we get to share your show with our listeners here and really all around the world as well. And I want to start by asking you, yes. could you tell us a little bit about your show, Theater Thoughts? Yeah, so the Theater Thoughts podcast, basically, oh, wow, I just sounded very... Very podcasty then. <laughs> Woo! Went in full mode. Now, Theatre Thoughts podcast focuses essentially on supporting a lot of different artists and shows in Sydney, mainly just because that's where I have access to. But I've spread out recently to Melbourne and I've been speaking to a lot of Melbourne artists and Melbourne shows and productions. And as the Theatre Thoughts podcast has developed, it's been less about like, you know, Justin talks with so-and-so about, you know, their art. It's been more about talking about theatre And the productions are the main reason they're there, obviously, but it's been kind of transgressing into why theatre is important and how it's changed and how a lot of artists have adapted to that change, I suppose. So, yeah, it comes out weekly at the moment just because I'm so busy and there's a lot of shows coming out, which is a great thing. It makes me very tired, but it's a good thing. I'd rather be busy than sitting here doing nothing, essentially. (laughs) But, yeah, I've been speaking to a lot of different artists about their shows in Sydney. We have a lot of stuff coming up. And I've been trying to stretch out and branch out a little bit more and welcome in, like, a larger range of audiences. And I guess, like, the main thing with the podcast itself is that I just get to really talk to a lot of amazing people that are just doing awesome things all the time. And I'm just always in awe of them, you know? Yes, I I could not agree more. I feel like we've come back from the pandemic and we didn't skip a beat. In fact, it wasn't like we were sitting idly. We just, we kept moving forward. And these mm. artists have literally come back even better, bigger and better. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. It's been incredible. 
So where did you come up with the idea for the show? I, I, it started with my blogs. I had a Theatre Thoughts blog that I started when I lived in the UK. I was teaching over there and I basically every single weekend would go to the West End to see a show. Yeah, um, because they have the same thing that you guys have in Broadway, the TKTS store. So basically go there and, and buy a ticket to whatever production. And then I was just like writing stuff up for my friends back home because I knew like a lot of people that I knew at the time were really into theater. So I'll just go and write stuff. And it was really good for me because I was an English teacher to like get my practice out and writing and developing and so on. And so when I came back home, I started working with a company called Theatre People who did reviews as well. So I wanted to kind of like make connections and branch out. And eventually I kind of just got so in love with doing it that I made my own thing, which was Theatre Thoughts. I was like, I love alliteration, so that's great. And then I, I quickly realised that Theatre Thoughts itself had competitors in the market you know, had competitors on the space. So I was like, what can I do to make me stand out? And I had to think and I had to look around, did some research and I realized that podcasting was on the rise and none of the other like big theater sites that I knew had jumped on it. So I was like, all right, that's my thing. Let's do a podcast. It was towards the end of like lockdown over here where things were, you know, I could have people over again, like one at a time. And, and so I was like, maybe now's the time as everything's starting to like, rebirth I suppose maybe now's the time to jump on it and and take advantage of making something that's new and different yeah and it, it started with me and my friend Daniel just talking about come from away because we both loved it we both recently seen it and then it quickly developed into me reaching out to different artists and productions and saying hey do you want to come and talk about your show and we'll have a chat and and then like one of the first big artists I had was Leanne Cope on to talk about an American in Paris and and I was just like oh my God, okay, she's like massive. She's like performed at Broadway, West End and now Australia. And I was like, ah, okay, okay, big time. So yeah, it's kind of developed from there, essentially. That's amazing. Well, from one podcaster to another, I have to ask, what has it been like developing your show? You know, what have been the the struggles and the, the strengths? What has it been like for you? It's been, it's not easy. That's for sure. It's a slog. And a lot of the people I've spoken to about podcasts and they go like, don't look at the numbers. Don't look at the numbers for at least your first year. But I just can't help myself because I always look and I always go, ah, it's just not where I want it to be. You know, it's not where I want it to be yet. What can I do? What can I do? And I'm one of these people that just constantly is looking to go, what's the next thing? What's the next step for me? I guess one of the hard things was figuring my voice, which I think I'm still doing. You know, I think I started by going like, oh, a podcast is meant to be, you know, two people just having a chat like nobody's there. And and then it turned into an interview thing. And then it kind of went back to, oh, let's not make it so much an interview. Let's make it just like conversation between two people. So I think finding my voice and finding the identity of what Theatre Thoughts is, has been the biggest, the hardest thing. And then all the social media that comes with it is also hard because you know, that's a whole beast in itself. So yeah, it's been a big time, a, a big like investment in my time, you know, but it's been very rewarding. And, and I think I'm just starting to see like little bits of fruit that are starting to appear and, and a lot of connections that I'm making up in Sydney, which is lovely. That's fantastic. Well, what is the message or thought you're hoping that your listeners take away from your show? I think recently it's changed into how theatre is changing for the better and how we as audiences can approach theatre and how artists approach theatre in order to make it accessible, make it new and not make it something that's just like so closed if that makes sense, you know, yeah. how can we make it a, a broader thing? And before we were, like started, we were talking about governments investing in art. So how can you make this thing that so many people do and so many, it's worldwide, you know, art, how can we make it something that governments go, oh, hang on a sec, maybe we should invest money into this and actually pay these artists and production people and all the lighting designers that get up there and stick their heads into park hands and, you know, how can we actually pay those people for creating this thing? So I think, I think that's what it's slowly developing. And that's what I hope people get out of it rather than just, oh, this is a good conversation about this show. Let's move on. Yes, that is a fabulous message and supported 
a hundred percent from this end of the world. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you guys have it big over there, you know, broad Broadway. I love it. Love Broadway. So my final question for this first part is who do you hope have access to your show? I know that a lot of theater, when, it, when you're like in, wholly invested in theater is always between your 18s and your 25s. And then I feel like people either like spread out or drop off and they get like a real job. If I say that in quotation marks, if you can't hear them. And I think who I want to reach are those people that go, oh, I love theater. You know, I love this, this artist or this show. God, I haven't seen that in so long. God, I haven't been to the theater in so long. And just make that like that turn for people to go, I love theater. Theater is important. And let's, you know, come back to it. You know, those people that drop out of the theater world and how can you stay invested? I think those are the people I want to reach, you know, because I'll, as much as I, you know, think that sports, you know, is a, is a thing that people love, I'll just never be a part of it. So I'm not going to try to convince, you know, the, the footy boys to come into the theater world, you know, stay in your stay, go play your game. That's fine. We'll take everyone else. So I'm kind of invested in those people. talked enough shop for one day i want to switch things up and i kind of want to pick your brain and get to know you a little bit more on a personal level okay i want to start by asking you what are some of your favorite composers playwrights or shows that's a very good question something i should have prepared for (laughs) (laughs) composers playwrights or shows well i mean you can see my hamilton jumper on so Hamilton's one of my favorite actually let me turn around to my theater wall and I can tell you so play that goes wrong I love mischief theater I will follow and watch any single thing that the two Henry's and mischief theater create I will watch that every single day I'll tell you a story actually so when I was in my old apartment and I don't know if you've ever seen it but they had a tv show called the show that goes wrong or the goes wrong show and I love it love it love it love it and I remember sitting there one night, I had like a glass of wine or so. And it was when like everything was kind of locked down, but not really locked down. And I was just sitting there laughing. The balcony door was open because it was summer. It was hot. I was sitting there laughing my ass off. And then all of a sudden I hear this bang, bang, bang on my front door. And this guy downstairs, it was a little bit, you know, all over the place. He goes and goes, what's that bloody laughing you're going on about? And I was just like, whoa. Step back for one second. He was so angry and so confrontational. Anyway, I shut the door afterwards and then I just kept laughing my ass off because it was so funny. So Mischief Theatre, the play that goes wrong, one of my favourite plays of all time. What else is on my wall? Hamilton. I loved Groundhog Day. I thought that was really good. Tim Minchin is an incredible artist and composer. Other than that, I guess, oh, Book of Mormon and Six are up there with mine. I saw the Book of Mormon probably about, five times when I was in the West End just from winning the lottery or actually taking my parents who were over to go and see it or just like wandering down I was like yeah why not I'll go see it so those are like probably in my top shows and then I love like we have this theatre company called the Hayes Theatre Company in Sydney who are a very very small theatre but they take these large-scale musicals and they put it on such a small stage so one of the best things I saw there was Young Frankenstein by Mel Brooks. And I loved that because they were so innovative in what they did. And they took this like 23 orchestra and condensed into five. And they took this big, massive musical and put it on such a small stage. And I was just like, oh, I love it because you can adapt theatre in so many ways. So it, it stuck in my mind as one of my favourite productions I've seen, not like the musical itself, but the production I saw. I was like, big tick. In terms of playwrights, Martin McDonough, is a big favorite playwright of mine. All his like dark comedies. I'm just like, I love it. It's so good. I love a good dark comedy. And I'm a big Shakespeare fan. Hamlet's my favorite. That's like my dream role. I would love to play Hamlet one day. One of the best Hamlets I saw, I I saw Benedict Cumberbatch. I didn't see him personally play Hamlet, but I I saw the National Theatre live stream version of it, which was amazing. 
amazing. Andrew Scott, I did see play Hamlet in London. And that was one of the best productions of Hamlet I've seen. Cause it was so the way he spoke Hamlet's lines was so accessible. And it was like, I understood every single Shakespearean word that was coming out of his mouth. And, and obviously in Hamlet, you have the big to be or not to be, but the way he did it, it was just like, you could just, you could really tell that he was just asking, do I live? Do I die? And it was just like, so heartfelt as well. And I was like, oh, Love it. Love Shakespeare. In terms of musical theatre, you can't go wrong with Lin-Manuel Miranda, obviously. You can't go wrong with him. He's a dream host of mine uh, or guest of mine to have. If if I could ever get Lin on the show, I would retire immediately because I was like, that's it. That's it for me. I'm done. Bye. But I love Tim Minchin as a composer as well. I think they're both incredible. Yeah. So I guess like that's top of my head sort of answers that come to mind. I'm really interested. I don't know if you've gone. I think you did go to see because I saw you on Instagram. What's the new musical that's out over there that's about corn? Shuck. Shuck. It's Shuck, isn't it? Yeah. I, I listened to one of the songs from it on Spotify the other day. And I was like, okay, first of all, about corn interesting i'm sure it's not about corn but then i listened to the song and i was just like i need to see this show because i'm so interested in it oh no it's 100 about corn it oh is, is it it's perfect humor it is perfect wow. humor well we had been talking before the show started you'd come back from i think it was the comedy festival in melbourne you'd said mm. Mm. and have you seen any great theater along with oh. that that you might be able to recommend to our listeners Yes, a thousand percent. So uh, if they go international, well, they deserve to go international. So Gillian Cosgriff is an artist who was in Harry Potter and the Cursed Child down here. And she's been locked away in that, that for ages. But at heart, she's a musical actor and comedian. And she's just been released back onto the theatre scene. She does this show called Actually Good, which is basically set just in a small space, her piano and a book. And it's essentially about a game she plays with her husband where they list their top 10 favorite things in the world. And it's just like the best of humanity, starting from 10, which is like, you know, something you like, but if it wasn't on the list, you wouldn't be devastated. All the way up to number one, which is your most favorite thing about humanity. And she weaves these songs throughout where she takes us through her top 10 and there's like different stories connected with each, but throughout she asks the audience um, for theirs. So every single night she would write down each individual audience's 10 favorite things. And then it just was very heartfelt, funny, funny as hell. And God, she can sing such a, like a real talent on the piano. And it was beautiful. And she weaves these different stories in that, you don't think are important at the time. And then at the end, she does this big reveal and you're just like, ow, ow, that hurt. But also like, wow, emotional. So she was like, incredible. She's coming up to Bondi to do her show again as part of the Bondi Festival. So if she takes it internationally, you have to go and see it. Michelle Brazier is another artist I'm in love with. I'm, I think I'm talking to her next week on the podcast, which I'm so, so, so excited about. She's taken her comedy show internationally to the something up in Toronto. It was a Toronto comedy or something like that. And she did a, her comedy set there. You can stream her show Average Bear on Paramount Plus. And it's so funny and heartfelt and far out. It's sad at some stages but it's like her voice deserves to be on Broadway. She's got like that level of voice. So those were like my top two that I saw. And there was other, you know, great acts along the way. I saw Shitface Shakespeare, which is, you know, a drunk Shakespeare, which is always funny. I saw Rachel Tulaney do her debut show, which was about a girl having her 21st. It was 12 Lies Are Told Before 21. And a lot of like stand-up comedians along the way. There's like really great, comedians that are doing things that are just not the the normal shtick you know if that makes sense with stand up which is great but I always recommend going to see the musical comedians at the Melbourne Comedy Festival I just think they're the bee's knees and I absolutely love finding new musical comedians along the way so that was like that's probably my top recommendations from the from the comedy fest I didn't see as many this year just because I had like a short time but last year I saw close to probably about 15 I reckon in the space of a week nice Mm. who doesn't love a great musical comedy though 
I mean, that's I I love I love it. Like comedy cabaret show, it's amazing. Mm, yeah, yeah, and and I think people get frightened by the word cabaret. They think it's like a like the musical cabaret, and it's it's not in any sense. It's just the fact that it's a piano with singing, and that makes it a cabaret. Yes, exactly, exactly. What is your favorite part about working in the theater? I think it's the people. No, I know it's the people because we're not we're not normal. You know, we're not normal people. And I think that's the best part. We're weird, we're wacky, we're quirky, and we don't, we're not, we're not shy of being ourselves. And I think that's what I love. And I think when you get, it, it must be the same euphoria that football fans must feel when they're sitting down and watching like a big game. You know, when you go and sit, see a show or you talk about a show and you just get that, ex- like I was watching, like as soon as I said like musicals and I watched your expression change, when you say like a show and they go, Oh, oh, I love that show. And it's just like this shared euphoria that is probably like my favorite thing. And just how adaptable you can be in theater. Cause I've worked as a stage manager on like community theater productions. I've worked as a director in different productions as an actor. And so like, it's very versatile what you can do if you're willing to break out of the mold. And it's very character building in that sense. That's probably like my favorite thing. That is amazing. I love that. I love that answer. Well, I want to ask, since we're we're both podcasters, do you have a favorite interview or episode that you've done? Yeah. Oh, well, I guess it's hard because you don't, because I interview like so many different people. It's hard to like pick, you know, a favorite, I suppose. They're like little, little babies and you're so proud of them as they go on and do bigger <laughs> and better things. It's like, oh, I recently spoke with these two musical comedians called Mel and Sam. They have a podcast on Spotify called Mel and Sam Podcast. Mel's a massive musical theater fan and Sam's really massive on TikTok. And she's an incredible like writer and composer as well. I think they were great because they had such energy about them that I was just kind of sitting there in awe of them and just like really enjoyed the discussion as a whole. I really enjoyed write, um, talk, sorry, not writing, talking to recently Vidya Makan, who was one of the queens of six when it was in Australia. And she's writing a musical called The Lucky Country, which is actually premiering this week. And she's just so intelligent. Everything she says and the passion that comes out of her mouth. I was just like, so many interviews in, in my second season have just been like, just Amazing. Absolute fire, as the kids would say. They've just been, yeah, one after the other. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Bring, keep bringing it. So it's, yeah, I I, I had a, a chat in the start of season two with a, an artist called Sharon Millerchip, who was so special for me because it was like a full circle moment. One of the first theatre productions I remember seeing as a kid, really, really small, was Beauty and the Beast when it was originally out in Australia. And she played Belle in that production. And so when I interviewed her for a production she was doing in North Sydney in Kirribilli, she, I was like, is that, that's not, that's not Belle. That's not Sharon Miller. No, it can't be. It is. And so it was one of these like full circle moments. I was like, I'm interviewing the person that was like the first thing I remember in being a musical theatre fan where my, you know, enjoyment sort of started. And it was just so lovely to have that full circle moment. So that was very, very special for me. I love that. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Mm, oh, it was the so people special. you had on your show, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, building on that, I want to ask my favorite question, which is what is your favorite theater memory? My favorite theater memory. Oh, God, a big smile on my face as I'm thinking about it. <laughs> One of my first roles... I'm going to say two just because I'm greedy. One of my first roles was in <laughs> my friend wrote a musical that was a, a parody of Jurassic Park and it was called Jurassic. That's one big pile of musical. And it was one of the most outrageously ridiculous and offensive productions I think I'll ever be in. Like you couldn't stage it today, that sort of thing. And it was just funny and insane. And I played, I don't know if, you know Jurassic Park all that well, but I played Muldoon, who was the guy that was in charge of the raptors and he gets eaten by one of the velociraptors. He's like, clever girl. And and so I played him and I 
and I, I hadn't done a musical before. So this was my first musical. And I had to do a love ballad song with, with one of the velociraptors. And so basically before I get eaten, we do this big love ballad between the two of us. And that was funny. But one night, <laughs> one night, my mum comes up to me after, because the joke in the movie was that his shorts are very short. You see his one stage where he's like talking to Sam Neill's character and he pops his leg up on like the raptor cage. And you're like, God, those are some short shorts you got on there, mate. And so the joke was throughout the show, I would start off with like knee length pair of shorts. And then every scene I came in, I had to change the shorts. So they got progressively shorter to the point where I wore short shorts in my final number. And I saw my mom after the show and she goes, oh, that was great. You were amazing. Well done. Was that meant to happen though? And I went, what, what, what was what meant to happen? And she goes, oh, you when you crouched down, you you kind of like popped a nut. And I was like, sorry. <laughs> I was wondering at the time why the audience were laughing so much. And it was because I just had a little bit of a, a outfit slip. And so it made them the moment all that more hilarious. Didn't even realise until the end. So that stayed with me. It was like one of my favorite things just because it's so funny that that actually happened and I didn't even realize. That is amazing. Oh my God, I'm crying. Oh, it was, <laughs> yeah. So that was, that. that's probably one of my favorites and it was from the start. And then my second one was in Spamalot, in Monty Python Spamalot which is one of my favourite productions because I've done it twice, once in Australia and once in the UK with different societies. And it was my first lead role. I played Sir Robin in the first production that I did. And it was my first lead role in a musical. So I was like very, very excited with that. And then and then I played the French Taunter slash Tim the Enchanter in the UK production. And, and I think that for me was like one of those moments where I realised that oh, this is something I really love and I feel like I'm good at it as well. And that was like a real real point for me that was just very emotional, but in like a good way, I think. Not as funny as the other one, but it was. it's like more of a heartfelt memory, I think, that I got to do the same musical twice, but in different countries with different amazing sets of people that I'm now still friends with to this day. Oh, I love that. I love both of those memories. Those are amazing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing those. <laughs> That's okay. I'm still laughing. At the... <laughs> oh. Are there any other productions or projects that you have coming up that we might be able to plug for you? Well, I have more episodes coming out. I have a mid-season break coming up in June. And I haven't actually said this to anyone yet, so you're the first time I'm saying it. I'm actually taking the podcast to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in August to cover productions and shows over there. And then I'm planning to do different like mini interviews with artists over at the Fringe, which I'm going to post on the socials and, and hopefully do like, like a, con a congregation of episodes, I guess. So, yeah, so I'm going international in, uh, in August. Very, very cool. We will all have to tune in for that. Yes, I'm very excited. Final question. If our listeners want more information about Theater Thoughts podcast or about you, maybe they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do that? So you can find us on Instagram at Theater Thoughts AUS. You can also find the podcast at ttpod underscore official or on our website, theaterthoughtsaus.online, where you can find all the links in there. And you can reach out to us in our email or get us up on our socials. Perfect. Justin, this has been absolutely amazing connecting with you and learning more about your show. You are doing amazing work in Australia. I am just so admiring of you. Is that oh, the thank right you. News? I admire you. I'm in admir admiration of you. I'm in yeah. so admiration <laughs> of you. Thank you. And I appreciate you taking the time today to speak with me and just share all of your, 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 your wonderful thoughts, your knowledge, your memories. Oh my gosh, your memories. <laughs> just thank you so much. I hope that this is the beginning of a, a very long and fruitful relationship across the ocean, across the world between our two shows, but definitely thank you so much for, for speaking with me today. No, thank you. Thank you so much for staying up late to have a chat. My guest today has been the host, Justin Clark, whose show Theater Thoughts podcast has episodes that drop weekly. You can catch this podcast anywhere you listen. 
to podcasts. So wherever you're listening to us at, once you're done listening to this, go ahead and search for Theater Thoughts Podcast and tune on in. You can also find them on social media and their website, which we'll be posting in a myriad of places, including the episode description and our social media. So stay tuned for that. But head on over and check out Theater Thoughts Podcast, hosted by the great Justin Clark. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. Two friends from old New York town met in a foreign land. One sang the praises of Cape. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is DJ by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.